0: Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Well, it is Easter, and you know what that means, don't you? Easter baskets, okay? How many of you here still get an Easter basket? Come on, proudly raise up your hand if that's you. Okay, men, this is your moment for some practicing some vulnerability. If you're a man here and you still get an Easter basket, lift up your hand, okay? Proudly. Okay, proudly. Woo, good. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, so this is a first for for, uh, me and Kelly. Kelly is actually in Virginia celebrating Easter with our oldest daughter and her family. It's the first time in Easter that Kelly and I have been apart in our married life that I can at least remember. And, um, and so before she left, Kelly said to me on the way out, she said, now, there's a little something that I've got for you, um, and it's in the closet, but you can't go and look at it until Easter. <laughs> now, when I hear someone say, you can't go look at it, That, for me, is invitation to go look at it, right? I mean, anybody else like me, that's how I hear it, at least. So when I got back that day, I had to take a little sneak peek. And I had a wonderful little uh, Easter basket waiting for me. Um, And it had uh, one of my very favorites in it. Uh, I love Reese's peanut butter eggs. Now, there's a lot of different Reese's products out there. But hands down for me, the perfect combination is the egg. I don't know why, it's just a match made in heaven. That chocolate, that peanut butter, just a beautiful moment of having that. And I had one early, I admit it, I had one early. There was something else that was in my Easter basket though that I'm gonna practice some real transparency with you today and I'm gonna let you in and I'm gonna tell you about it, but you gotta make me a promise. You gotta promise me that this will stay between us. No talking about this at your Easter dinner table, okay? No conversation. Do you promise? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be vulnerable here. My wife got me. My very own little purple Easter bunny floppy ears and all. I got it all. I mean, here it is. That's cool, huh? Isn't that cool? Now... Now let me let you know a little secret, okay? I grew up in a family in a home where I never felt celebrated and we didn't celebrate well. And I think Kelly knows that and so man she sometimes just pulls out all the stops to make sure that I can feel celebrated again. So this little Easter bunny is special. Probably go to one of my grandkids, but it's it's special. <laughs> Easter actually means the greatest mystery, and we've been in a series here, if you're new to Grace Crossing Church, we've been in a series called Rest in the Mystery, and the greatest mystery by far that we read about in Scripture is the mystery of the resurrection. There is a verse that I'm gonna use to lead into this talk, and then we're gonna go back to it to lead out of this morning's talk. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number three, and here's what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, we sang about that just a moment ago, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And this verse begins with a word. It's the word praise. Praise actually simply means expressing thanks to God for God. That's what praise is. It is expressing thanks to God for God. Now I know it's Easter, I know it isn't Thanksgiving, but I'm gonna be honest with you for just a moment and let you know that my default position in life is not one of gratitude. My default position is one to find fault more than to find praise. My tongue is much quicker at finding fault than it is at giving thanks. And so God, a number of weeks ago, brought me to a place of expressing and learning how to be more grateful for things that he's given to me, things that he's given to us. And if you're here this morning and you're searching and wondering, what do I have to be thankful for on this Easter? Let me just give you one thing that you can be very, very grateful for, and you can practice celebrating this Easter. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God so loved. And if you do nothing else this Easter, what I want to encourage you to do is take the world out of that and put your name in there. God so loved Gil that he gave his son. God so loved Eric that he gave his son. God so loved Hugh that he gave his son. Take your name and put your name in there because the reality is this is the promise of Easter and many of you here, you've never heard this before. You've never realized this. This is the first time you're hearing this that God loved you so much And he freely gave his son for you so that you could have life. And I just want you to take that all in. But many of us have heard this dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of times. And here is my caution to you. If we're not careful, that which the Bible calls good news can become old news. It no longer has its punch. It loses its significance and its meaning. And don't let this be old news this Easter, because John 3.16 is Easter in a nutshell. And if John 3.16 is Easter in a nutshell, did you know that there is another 3.16 in the Bible that is all about Easter and all about mystery? It's actually 1 Timothy 3.16. Here's the counterpart to John 3.16. Beyond question great is the mystery of godliness he was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit seen by angels proclaimed among the nations believed on in the world taken up in glory this verse is chock full of mystery we've got the incarnation god coming in flesh we we've got the holy spirit who is a mystery We've got the mystery of angels in this verse. We've got the mystery of glorification. Listen, it's all, everything about Easter is a mystery. And for you who are church historians, what you will really like to know this morning is this. Those words that we just read were likely the very first words that were used as the Apostles' Creed, So if John 3.16 is Easter in a nutshell, 1 Timothy 3.16 is the Christian faith in a nutshell. Before there was ever a Nicene Creed, before there was ever an Apostles Creed, which gave us all a common language by which to celebrate our faith, those happened in the second and third centuries. But before that, the words that they would recite are, are likely the words that we just looked at in First Timothy chapter 3, 16. And what's so interesting about this is that Paul the apostle here calls this the mystery of godliness. Contrary to what you may believe, godliness isn't a behavior. Godliness is a person. Godliness is the person of Jesus Christ. It is not something that we do. It is something that God did for us. That is godliness. That's what makes us godly. The mystery of Easter is all about the mystery of God's love. It's about the mystery of God's life in death. And it's the mystery of death overcome by life. This morning, here's how Hebrews captures it. Hebrews chapter two, verse number nine. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Listen, Jesus tasted death so that we can taste life. He entered into death so that we can enter into life. He experienced the fullness of death so that you and I can experience the fullness of life. Let me ask you, have you ever been so close to a death experience that you could almost taste it? I mean, have you ever had a a near-death experience, the kind where death feels more plausible than survival feels? I actually had that a few weeks back when my wife and I were in Maui. We had heard that when we went to Maui that there was something we had to do there. And what we heard was that you've got to take the road to Hana. You, you just got to take the road to Hana, okay? And I didn't know what Hana was. I was like, well, I wonder what that is. I wonder if that's just like a, you know, a, a king that lived there. I wonder if it's a monument that I'm going to go see. And what I learned is that Hana is on the easternmost edge of Maui. And there is no route to get there through Maui. The only way to get there is on the outer rim of the island, which actually is the slope that falls off of the Haleakala Mountain, right up against the Pacific Ocean. Oh, Now now listen, it's a beautiful drive, but but we didn't learn until after we got back from it. We did not learn that this was one of the most dangerous roads and one of the most dangerous drives that you can take. Had no idea. And As we were driving, I just needed a break. And so we stopped along this little roadside pull-off and they had some different shops there and kind of little things set up in a village type setting. And I noticed when I was there that there was a, a shirt that was for sale that said, I Survive the road to Hana. Should have been a clue. Should have been a clue, right? Didn't know what it was, but I should have been a clue. And what I was just in for, I had no idea of just how much I was going to feel close to death. You know, they say ignorance is bliss. Ignorance almost cost me my life, right? I want you to take a look at just very short video we took of our drive on the road to Hana. All single lane roads, not well paved, very windy, uh oh, (laughs) if you're a little queasy you might want to look now. Now, as we're driving this, there are two things that come to my mind. Two things that I'm thinking about. The first thing that comes to my mind is, why is everybody driving four by fours? And why am I in a little sports car? Like, what's wrong with this picture? Is something that I'm just not aware of? And I don't know if you heard it, but underneath the video near the end, Kelly says, we should have gotten a Jeep. The second thing that comes to my mind is this, I am in a rental car, an unproven weapon. And I'm thinking as I'm driving, like what if the brakes go out? What if the axle brakes? what if the pure power steering fails me right now? Like, and I am just white knuckling this 12 hour drive so much so I'm pulling my fingers off the steering wheel at the end of it. It literally took me a day to recover from that drive. It was an, I was an emotional wreck. Like, listen, Jesus did not just have a near death experience. Jesus fully embraced and walked straight into death for us. Hebrews goes on to say this in verses 14 and 15 of Hebrews chapter two. Since we, God's children, are human beings made of flesh and blood, he became flesh and blood too by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he die and in dying, break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in that way could he deliver those who through fear of death have been living all of their lives as slaves to constant dread. Do you know what resurrection means? Resurrection means that fear no longer wins the day. Resurrection means that death is no longer my enemy. Resurrection means that I now have access and God's life is no longer out of reach. Resurrection means that everything that we say is dead may not be dead. Your marriage may not be dead, right? Your relationships may not be dead. That situation you've given up hope on, man, it may not be dead. The reality is resurrection means all bets are off because when Jesus was resurrected, he changed the course of history forever. The resurrection changes everything. It means that the irreversible is reversible. This is powerful. When I I put my hand through a window at the age of nine, I used to look at my scars and I wondered, how long would those scars be there? They're still there. Because guess what? Some things in life just can't be undone, right? You you and I have have both lived long enough to know that you cannot uncut hair. (laughs) You, You can't unbake cookies, okay? You cannot unshred documents. Oh, you can try, but you can't unshred them. You can't unspeed in a construction zone. I got a letter in the mail from the state of Pennsylvania a few months ago, and it was a picture of my car, and I didn't know who was driving it. I was like, who's driving that car? Because it was telling me the car was doing 69 in a 55. It was a warning, thank God but I'm like, I wonder wonder who's driving that car, doing that speed. Can't undo it. You can't undo it. Some things in life just cannot be undone, and one of those things is death. I have done dozens and dozens of funerals, and I have yet to see a dead body come back to life. I, I wish I could make that happen. But something happened on the resurrection that actually reversed the irreversible. Jesus looked death straight in the eyes and said, you will not win the day. You will not have the victory. And when Jesus came out of that borrowed tomb, everything changed from that moment into eternity. He overcame death, hell, and the grave in the moment of resurrection. And in John chapter 16, Jesus talks about that very thing. John 16, In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart why. I have overcome. This verse is so full of realism and it's so full of optimism. It's so full of realism because Jesus here is saying, don't look now but life's gonna be hard. You're gonna have troubles. You're gonna have difficulties. And I think as followers of Jesus, friends, you and I should be the most realistic people in the world. Contrary to what some people say, faith is not the denial of reality. It is fully embracing what is real but it is fully embracing what is real amidst the promise of optimism that Jesus makes to us. We should not just be the most realistic people in the world. We should be the most optimistic people in the world because we've been given the promise that Jesus made to Mary while she is grieving the loss of her brother Lazarus, who yes, was raised from the dead by Christ, but died again. Jesus at resurrection did something no one else had ever done before and no one else had ever done since. And his words to Mary are powerful. In John chapter 11, here's what he says. Jesus said to to Mary, I am the resurrection and I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Jesus asked her this question. Do you believe this? How is it possible that Jesus could be both the resurrection and the life? Well, let's return to where we began. The answer is given to us in 1 Peter chapter 1, Verse number three. Then let's unpack this just a bit as we prepare to close. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. Let me just pause there for a moment. Resurrection is all about the great mercy of God. It is God's great mercy that sent Jesus to this earth. It is God's great mercy that put Jesus on the cross. It is God's great mercy that held him in three days of silence. It is God's great mercy that brought him out of the tomb. And that word mercy has a counterpart word in the Old Testament and the word is kesed. It's a word that's translated as mercy Faithfulness, loving kindness, but the word that I like the translation the best is the English standard version that says steadfast love. When I think of God, I think of stubbornness. It is God's stubbornness that actually pursued you when you weren't pursuing God. It is God's stubbornness that loves you when you least deserve it and when you least expect it. It is God's stubborn love that takes your refusal, your denial, my, my own heart that is often cold toward God if I'm not careful. It is God's stubborn love that keeps pursuing me. And in his great mercy, he actually did something for us. The Bible says that in his great mercy, he has given us new birth. That's what we celebrate at Easter. Not just is Jesus alive, but guess what? We are in Christ, we are alive. And you know what the Bible teaches here? This is really profound, I don't want you to miss it. Don't overlook what you have to do for the new birth. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. In his great mercy, He has given us new birth. Colossians chapter two tells us how this works. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, your heart even, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. Not just past Not just present, but future. Everything has been forgiven by the mercy, the great mercy of God, which has given us new birth. Now notice it, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. If it was God's great mercy that put Jesus on the cross so that we could have new birth, It was also God's great mercy that raised him from the dead so that we could have a living hope. Do you know the difference between hope and living hope? Listen, all hope is good, but all hope is not eternal. Hope is a good thing. Living hope is forever. And the difference between hope and living hope is one thing the resurrection. It is the resurrection that caused us to be born anew to a living hope. And it is that hope that God offers every single one of us here this Easter. It is a hope that says, I can look my tomorrow straight in the eyes like Jesus did death, and I can say, you do not win the day. I don't need to fear what tomorrow holds because I know that Jesus has already been to my tomorrow. And because he's already been there, I know everything will be well. God will make sure everything is well if my heart stays where it needs to be. So as we close this morning, and prepare for baptism. I wanna retract one thing I said just a few moments ago. I said that there's nothing that you need to do for the new birth. That's actually not completely true. There is one thing that all of us need to do. And it's what Jesus said to Mary. I'm the resurrection and the life. And then he said this, do you believe this? That word believe is translated in the New Testament equally as trust. Do you trust this? Do you trust me? Do you trust my word? Do you trust the promises I'm making to you? That's what Jesus is asking. And that is the one thing that is required of all of us if we're going to experience the, new, the great mercy of God that's going to give us a new birth and bring us to a place of living hope, the only way that we will ever experience that is by believing, by trusting in God. The greatest thing that you can do this Easter, the greatest decision you can make this Easter is to place your heart and your trust in God, who wants to give you a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning and bow your head? New birth is not about your age. It's not about your position. It's not about your status in life. The new birth is all about God's gracious gift to you because of his great mercy and love, stubborn love that is pursuing you, that is saying to you, you are in this auditorium today, not by accident. You're not here this Easter coincidentally, you are here because my spirit is drawing you. God wanted you to hear this morning about this great love, about this great mercy. truth is many of us here have already been given and received the new birth and have living hope and you that are there this morning don't ever let that good news become old news hold it with gratitude today but i particularly want to pray and hold before god today as we transition those who want to place their trust they they want to believe this morning and they do believe in Jesus. Doesn't make all sense to them. They, don't, they can't figure it all out. It's still somewhat of a mystery, but, they, but you're here today and your heart is being stirred and God is drawing you to him. Don't let yourself doubt Don't let your unanswered questions. Don't let the pressure of your friends or family. Don't let your family of origin be something of influence that would keep you from placing your trust in this living hope. This morning, if you're here in this auditorium, before we stand and worship and sing, we wanna pray. If you're here and you wanna place your trust in Christ, would you lift up your hand if that's you today? And you can put it right back down, but yes. Are there others? Yes, there are those that are saying today, I wanna place my trust. I believe in Jesus. So Father, I want to thank you today for your great mercy. We just are so overwhelmed by what you've done for us. We could never deserve it. We could never earn it. But we also can't unearn it because you have done this in your love for us. And so my prayer today is that we would just receive with new joy, new gratitude as we move into this Easter day the reality, God, that we have been given a cherished special gift, the gift of new life because of what Jesus has done for us. We receive it, we give thanks for it. I pray for all of those, Lord, who have slipped up a hand today to say, I want to place my trust in Christ. I I want this living hope. I want this new birth. May God, you do the mystery of transformation right now in their heart. Only you can do this, God. And so would you enfold them in your love and grace? Would you bring them into the life of Christ as only you can? And then God, hold us, I pray, from this day as we worship and celebrate all that you have done for us. We give thanks to you for it. In Christ's name.